You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Hey, welcome to a Geek's Watch Overtime. This shift is just myself, Mitch, and John, and we're talking about Alter Carbon Season 2 on Netflix. If everybody remembers, uh, we talked about the first season before... Now we're going to be talking about the second season. Uh, we did the whole first season with um, our friends. What was his name? <laughs> what was it? Brian. Brian, that's right. We did the first season with our friends Brian and Gabby. And uh, this time it's just going to be John and myself talking about that. Isn't that right, John? It's just like the good old days. Just like the good old days. Don't let the rest of the, the shift hear about that, though, okay? <laughs> they don't listen to this. <laughs> uh, John, um, do you have something else, though, you wanted to talk about? Yes. So, in continuing with our Geeks Watch or Watch of the Week or whatever we call it now, um, I saw a movie on Netflix just out of curiosity um it was called Eramentari. Okay. Or in subtitles it means the blacksmith and the devil. Ooh. It's a 2017 movie and it said it was in uh a Spanish movie. Um although I'm looking at the IMDb and it says Germany on there. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> but in either case, it's neither in Spanish nor German. Oh, okay. It's it's in a, a language called Basque. Okay. And apparently that's a that's a area that's kind of shared between France and Spain, but it's not really either. I don't think it's its own country. Um, but it's a it's a language that's apparently very unique um, to its area and doesn't really seem to have any relation to any of the surrounding countries' languages. So in other words, it's not really clear why these people speak so differently from everyone else around them. It's very bizarre. Um, but there's definitely some slight, like if you really listen carefully, you can get maybe like a glimpse of Spanish or Portuguese here or there. Mm. But uh, it just kind of sounds like they're speaking in Latin the whole time to me. <laughs> but that being said, the movie is really interesting because it's, it's a very high quality, low budget movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, there's some really, really good production value on there, but there's also some really interesting um, places where you can see where they had to kind of be creative with their budget. Uh, long story short, it's based on a fairy tale. Um, I want to say this is kind of comparable to something like Pan's Labyrinth a little bit. Um, 
where there's a blacksmith that lives in a forge out in the woods and he's kind of secluded himself from the rest of the town. Everybody says that he's cursed. And this blacksmith is like one tough ass dude. Like one of his introduction scenes, he's hammering something in his forge and his hammer breaks. So he starts, starts pounding the piece of metal with his fist. And it like, <laughs> I was like, wow. Like, and, uh, I don't want to give too much away because I, I guess part of it is just watching the story, but um, there are very literal de- demons in this movie. Oh, wow. Like it's it's definitely played up like demons are a real thing. And um, he happens to have one captured in his forge and a orphan girl from the village nearby, as you know, orphans tend to do, <laughs> is playing near and gets lost in the area and ends up in his house gets tricked by the demon into being released and all kinds of havoc ensues. It's, it's just a bizarre movie, but like, like I said, it just has, it, there's a certain charm to it too. Um, is there I any, pre- say that, Oh, go ahead. Huh? Go ahead. Um, yeah, there's the, the interaction with the, the child and the demon, you know, the, the demons very much trying to take advantage of the kid's innocence. Um, and then um, <laughs> there's a scene later on where the blacksmith has become friends with the little girl. At first, he didn't want her there for you know a few obvious reasons, but then he says, "Hey, like you wanna you wanna see something fun?" And he starts showing her the different ways you can torture a demon. <laughs> and so he's like poking the demon with a, a crucifix on a like a red hot poker, and he's throwing uh, I think chickpeas on the ground. Okay. And the, I guess because demons or supernatural beings have to count them. Oh, just like the leprechaun? Or like vampires, I guess. Or yeah. Vampire. yeah, I've heard of that one about vampires. Yeah, if you throw, I don't know, it was chickpeas, but I guess what it is here, he has like a whole jar that he likes to just grab a handful out, throw them on the ground, and then just watch the demon go crazy trying to count them all. And he starts like swishing them around with his hands. <laughs> the demon gets all mad because now he lost track. It's like it's kind of bizarre, like that, where it's like at some parts are actual like horror, mm-hmm. and then it's also a little bit campy. It, it does a really interesting job of balancing that fine line of like, like a childish fairy tale, but also like, no, yeah, but these are real demons. Like, <laughs> these people are in danger. So it's just like I said, very interesting. It's from 2017, and you would think this movie could have been shot in like the 70s. Like it's just. <laughs> that weird of a of a combination of of practical possibly some digital effects too i believe it's just it's a high quality low budget kind of charming really bizarre foreign movie about like a little girl meeting a demon that's super interesting like i was gonna, i was going to ask you earlier like uh what would you what kind of movie would you compare it to like that to give someone who hadn't seen it the idea of what kind of movie it was and from what you're describing, it sounds like uh, like Leon the Professional, but with demons. Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad comparison, too. You have the grumpy old man that doesn't want the child, and the child that just needs uh, a grown-up for, you know, support, comfort. Right. And uh, instead of assassinations, you have uh, demonology. Not a bad comparison, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I always wondered, you because know, I, I think about things like... Um, like uh like folklore vampire lore whatever you want to call it like 
obviously the the crucifix and holy water stuff the, as a weakness comes from the strong Christianity backgrounds. And then, uh, like, where does the idea of garlic, like, why does that ward it off? It's probably because there was just abundance of garlic in that area of, you know, of Europe, Romania or whatever. And well, my understanding from certain, like silver, for instance, is another one. Yeah. My understanding that things like silver and garlic are supposed to ward off supernatural things is because uh, going back to like alchemical days, people did realize that things like silver and garlic had healing properties mm-hmm. and disinfecting properties. Um, so that was assumed that, you know, something in abundance like that would ward off evil spirits or demonic beings just as much as it would. I mean, because back then, things like infections and sickness were kind of considered to be supernatural. Right. Kind of carried over naturally, um, you know, even though once the science started to take over, um, those superstitions still remained of, you know, certain herbs like wolfsbane, uh, you know, can keep away werewolfism or something. I forget what it is. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, I think it just comes from that, just from old applications, uh, not quite understanding the science of, you know, uh, herbal remedies and things like that, just assuming that they had magical properties, right. just kind of became but, a staple of but then our, you know, cultures. A wooden stake as opposed to a metal stake, it has to have been because of what was readily available. Like, you know, they could, they're going to come up with things to tell their kids so that, oh, don't worry, we can fend them off because we have these things, like... Well, yeah, like another one that they use in the in this movie and in Leprechaun also um, is iron. Iron is iron, uh, yeah. strong against uh, supernatural entities. So, like the demon is caged in a like a pure iron cage, mm-hmm. um, and like I've always wondered about that myself. Like, what is it specifically about iron um, that is supposed to be? you know, like anti-demonic. Right. And I just and, always uh, assume it's because of the, it's what was readily available. It's like, Cause it's all wise. I, it's all stuff that's made up by somebody, you know? I think, yeah, my understanding at some point was it had to do with the purity of something. Mm. Like if you have pure silver, pure iron, um, the less contaminated it is by other things that the more, I guess, well, beneficial it is towards the corrupt things, I guess. That makes sense. But there's also like, like just like the the having to count things, like that's uh, that's so mundane that's funny. And then there's the the one that like demons can't cross running water. It's like, what? yeah, I I don't know where some of these come from, but you know, superstitions are just just interesting that. like that. Yeah, I exactly. Always that about the the uh, old Sleepy Hollow legend, how like if you could make it across the river, you would be okay, or the bridge. Yeah, you would be okay. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. That's uh, that's an interesting topic. I think we can really get into at some point if we ever find more time for that. Yeah, if we ever, if either one of us or somebody else wanted to dive into the entomology of folk folk tales, folklore, superstitions. Yeah, yeah. Of, uh, weapons against the supernatural. Yeah, weapons against the supernatural. Like I remember, I think uh, horseshoe. Um over a house or like a doorway or something. Yeah. Was to ward off demons because they had cloven feet. Oh, I didn't know that. So that was what I heard. I don't know. Like, but now it's be. turned into a horseshoe over the door is for good luck, which you can see how the, you know, 
progression of that would be like at one point someone was like oh well it's to ward off demons well now it's to it's good luck because if you didn't have any demons in your house then you obviously have good luck (laughs) yeah and putting the blood of a goat over your doorway also going back to like biblical times from the the 10 plagues that was to like protect your house from you know being picked off by god oh or the angel of death whichever one you thought was doing the killing right that's interesting. All right, so how'd you say the name of this movie was? How'd you say the name of the movie? It's Eramentari, like E-R-R-E-M-E-N-T-A-R-I. I think it means the blacksmith, but the English translation is the blacksmith and the devil, and the blacksmith and the devil I think. Okay. And it is on uh, Netflix. It's on Netflix. I, what movie, a TV show that I started watching that is also on Netflix that I kind of want to talk about because I don't think I'm really going to stick with it. And there's not really much that else I want to talk about it, but it's, uh, it used to be on CW. I don't think it still is anymore, but it's called, uh, my crazy ex-girlfriend or crazy ex-girlfriend. Um, it's got like four seasons, four or five seasons on Netflix right now. I, I watched the first five episodes on Netflix and so many people have told me that it's a good show and that I should watch it. And, I, I started watching it and I was like the first episode I was like oh this is really interesting but after five episodes of it I was just like oh this is just not good I am so done with this show like the characters are just as fun as the characters are they're just not interesting so I was just like ah oh, this is this is boring and I, I can imagine that the show gets better after the first season because where the season the show is at right now like you really I don't really feel like you could take it past one season so if they had multiple seasons, which they did, they had to have changed up what they did, what the show was about. And at that point, I, I'm sure it got better. It's just, it's, so do you know anything about the show, John? I've seen it pop up on my feed, but I, uh, I haven't even bothered looking up the synopsis. <laughs> Essentially, it's this, it's this lady who is a like high end lawyer in New York and she just feels super burned out one day. And she's only like 26. She just feels super burned out. And she has a memory of, of the year before her 11th grade year in high school. where The summer before the 11th grade year of high school. Where she uh, hooked up with a boy at, at summer camp. And it was just that summer. And she fell in love with him. And she happens to run in with run into him on the sidewalk of in New York. And, and this is all in the first episode. And he's like, oh, you know, I've been here in New York for a while, too. And but I'm going to head back to my hometown of West Covina in California because things are just more chill there and they're just more laid back and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So she gets it in her head that she wants to be with him again. And because that's when the last time that she was happy is that the summer before 11th grade. So, uh, after, you know, contemplating it for a day or two, she packs up all of her stuff and stuff and moves to West Covina, California. And he doesn't know anything about this. And she's just, she keeps trying to tell herself that, Oh, I'm just moving here because it's supposed to be, it's a great place. Not because of, you know, him, not because of Josh. And she just has to keep saying that to herself to convince herself she finds out that he's like in a relationship and you know, in all kinds of stuff. It's, just, but the thing is, is that like she randomly breaks out into song. Like the show becomes a musical at least three times an episode. 
and okay. yeah and it's you know people around her also sing and they they incorporate themselves into the to the music it's just like a regular musical um it's not so like it's like trying to be kind of like that other uh playlist well uh, playlist show. came out afterwards but it's not like that because in playlist nobody is like part of the song with her i don't i know that's not true either I don't I don't know how to describe it. She just she it's more like how musicals are where everybody joins in on the song and then um afterwards they all didn't they don't know that they did a song and dance, but they all came out with the same information, if that makes any sense. Okay. Yeah. Whereas Zoe's extraordinary playlist, it's all kind of in her mind that people break it into song and in dance. And she just kind of interp- interprets that into why it is that they're doing it. Like, and no one else gets any information out of that. Just her, if that makes any sense. Okay. Yeah. So it really is all just in her head. In exor- Extraordinary Playlist, yes. Oh, okay. Not so much in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. That one's more like, we all just blanked out that we just sang and danced. But we all got the information that we needed out of it. All right. Okay. So, like I said, it's just I don't know. I don't I don't see why so many people love this show and it's just it kind of got real stale on me real quick and I, I don't think I'm going to go back to it even to try and finish out the season. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just decided to give it a try this pat this last couple of weeks and uh I'm just not into it, so so that's a crazy ex-girlfriend on on Netflix. Now to talk about the main thing we were going to talk about, Alter Carbon season two, which is on Netflix. We both came out of Alter Carbon season one like pretty much loving the show, right? Yeah, I was really blown away by it. Um, it started off kind of slow for me, like I could see the potential, but um, I think it built up to something that I wasn't expecting, and it. The writing is what really surprised me. Like, it had pretty good production value. I like the effects. I like the look of everything. I really like Joel Kinnaman. Yeah. Uh, he's usually pretty dry for me. Like, he was nothing special in Suicide Squad. And um, I didn't really watch the new Robocop. No. Oh. From the little bit that I have seen, he's just kind of like, okay, like, this could have been done by anybody pretty much. Like, it looked like a thankless role. But uh, he really won me over in this one. You should and, really go um, back and watch uh, The Killing. It was a TV show on A&E, I think, that he was on for like three seasons. You should give that show a chance to see how he, how you think of his acting. Okay. I might have to do that. Uh, I mean, maybe he's only good at playing uh, a badass. I don't know. I thought he was pretty cool in this <laughs> one. Um, and like, I could kind of buy it that he was that Takeshi was, you know, the same person inhabiting different bodies. Right. Like, I, I feel like I could get that more out of that first season um, than I could out of the second one for some reason. And we'll get more into the second season in a bit. But, yeah, the first season, like, I remember going back to it thinking, um, you know, once we finished it, I was like, wow, like, there was a really deep story that they laid the foundation for since the very first episode. And I didn't even realize it. Yeah. There was some stuff in there that they sprinkled out and I'm like, this was good. Um, 
So that's kind of what get, got me really excited about this whole series and the promise of like, you know, more seasons to come. And I remember we talked about it with uh, Brian and uh, Gabby afterwards. And I asked like, do we see more about the alien civilization or the culture that uh, was kind of also featured like just a little bit in uh, season one, mm-hmm. you know, they talk about the trees and um, this, you know, really ancient technology that they still can't figure out. And he says, Oh yeah, they, they definitely go into it. So I was excited about that. Yeah. Um, to sum it up in season two, it was kind of what I was expecting. And in a way that kind of let me down. <laughs> Because it wasn't bad. It just, it, it didn't have the same impact that the first season had on me because the first season came out of nowhere. Yes. You know, for me, it, it was surprising, uh, refreshing, really good writing. It still had everything that I think made season one good, except for Joel Kinnaman. <laughs> um, Anthony Mackie, and, and actually, that's a good point. I think almost all of the important characters from the first season make at least one cameo, except for Joel Kinnaman. Um, Does he not make a cameo at all? I, he might have been briefly shown as a flashback or like not a flashback. Um, I think they showed him like on a computer monitor. Is like that what it was? Picture. Okay. Uh, just to kind of show like, oh, this is who he was last, uh, whatever. Right. Whatever it was. Um, but yeah, no, I, he, he didn't, I don't, I definitely don't think they shot any new footage with him. Uh, okay. But they did have um, the, the officer lady played by, Martha Hikoretta, whatever her name right. was. Um, his sister, Ray, Ray Lynn, mm-hmm. just Ray. Ray, Ray Lynn. I think it was just Ray, yeah. yeah. Um, the One of my favorite characters uh, actually came out more than I expected her to. The the girl that was uh, messed up from being spun up. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. That abuse. The friend of Pose. Yes. Uh, she was really cool. I liked her character returning. Um and Poe being basically a glitching program was kind of a neat idea that I feel like they didn't really go that as far as they could have with it. At, at some point, I got as annoyed with him as uh, Kovacs was. Yeah, I think they relied on it way too much in the second season, and that, and that was the issue. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it was essentially, it's the same plot as Wreck-It Ralph with, you know, <laughs> Vanellope, right? Like, yeah, the, the glitch the just messes up everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this, in many ways, this, this season was kind of also a re, not a retelling, but it it had a same, a similar structure to the first season. Um, and I guess that's why I was kind of not even disappointed. I can't say I was disappointed because I still liked it. Mm -hmm. It just, it didn't feel as good. I want to say like, if I hadn't seen the first season and I started with season two, which I totally think most people could do anyway because of the way that it's structured. Yeah. You don't have to have two episodes. I mean, it definitely helps, but you wouldn't have to have seen the first season to get into this one and just kind of start picking it up as you go. Um, I that think- being said, I still feel like the first season, because I saw it first and it made that impact on me, right. is still kind of superior. And overall... Um, they didn't really go into the alien stuff enough. I mean, there was definitely a lot more alien stuff than I expected, but that's only because they did it differently. It turns out that we had an alien underneath our noses the whole time. (laughs) We just didn't know it till the very end. 
And、uh, I also feel like we had far less locations this time around. Like they wanted to be a little bit more、uh, budget conscious as far as the locations. I think I, I could see that. So they ended up just reusing the same locations over and over.、Um, I thought it was a clever way of reusing the Po Hotel. It's just by saying, "Okay, this is going to be our new base of operations." All right, let me reformat it to something more comfortable. <laughs> or whatever. And they just reuse the same set, but it's supposed to be now on a different planet. Right. I mean, I like how they implemented that. That was clever. But I'm also thinking in the back of my head,、uh, I see what you guys are doing. <laughs> so yeah, to, to for me, that first season, like the. The characters that we saw and their interaction between each other was so good, and I think that's what one of the things that I loved about that first season, and the fact that it was this cool detective noir story that you know was set in the far future, kind of Blade Runner ish, you know, with the with the lights and and stuff like that, and the just the mystery of who killed that dude, but even though he's still alive, or at least another version of him is alive and stuff like that. Like it all kind of coalesced at the end and came out really cool. This season, kind of like what you said, not, I'm not really disappointed in it, but it just it didn't feel right. Nothing about it felt right.、Um, bringing up one of the things you were talking about is like the fact that they changed out to Anthony Mackie. Like I get it, you can't keep the Joel Kinnaman body because that's in the past. That's I don't I don't even know how many years passed between the two seasons, but they said it was thirty. Okay, so but his body, that body would have been spun up and and maybe got back with that detective lady. I I don't know. That was that was the implication, yeah. Because、uh, I mean, to kind of give a brief,、uh, do we want to give a brief recap of the plot to kind of for the first season? Yeah, sure, go for it. Okay, so、uh, Takeshi Kovacs is.、Uh, Gee, I don't even know where to begin. There's so much detail, actually. Yeah, envoys well, and like all that stuff is just so like even if you if you just watched it from the first season. Like I remember when we were talking about the first season, we just we would just be like, "There's so much backstory that I really don't understand," and I don't, I don't. They're just kind of dropping you in there. The second season does the exact does the exact same thing. I know I watched the first season. There's still stuff that I was like. Did that happen? When did that happen? Kind of thing. Like I, <laughs> I had a hard time figuring out if Harlan's world was the same thing that we were on before, and apparently it wasn't. I thought it was、um, that planet that we were on at the beginning of the first season when、um, he's、uh, in the body of Ryu. See, and I don't know if it was that. It was that.、Uh, the only time when it was when we I re- I know for a fact that we were in Harlan's world was when. Uh, the Takeshi Kovacs body was the one that was、uh, being taught by Quelcres when he was supposed to be infiltrating. Oh yeah, well that's when they were on that one planet. Yeah, because that was Harlan's world.、Yeah. True. Um. Well, that was my understanding is that 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 hotel sequence at the beginning because you have the Praetorian guards or whatever they call those dudes, right? Um, coming after him, they shoot him up and then they take him to Earth. Um. But I guess to to try to simplify or like summarize the story as best as I can here, we're in the far future where they've discovered the secret to immortality is basically you can store your entire memories and personality on these little chips or wafers that they call stacks, that are essentially implanted in like the base of your spine, 
So as long as that stack is, uh, you know, not damaged, anything can happen to your body. You can just get put into a new body and continue or just be put in storage um, or live in like a hologram or a, like a virtual world as well. Um, but economics also take place. So like if you're rich, you can have your choice of your own bodies. Uh, you can have your... Uh, whole collection of your bodies like in clone backups mm -hmm. so you always have yours if you're poor then you might end up in like basically welfare bodies which means like first come first serve uh so we see that one scene in the first episode of season one where when kovacs gets brought back and he's in the joel kidman body which is like in the peak of like human physicality but it also has like like uh adjustments like genetic genetic uh adjustments i believe yeah that was because of the the uh, his line of work you know his police work or right. whatever uh, but yeah like in season two they make a special point to say that the whole body was synthetic too because that, that's another thing you have also is you can also have synthetic bodies which are not organic they're essentially uh android bodies that you can control but then you lose a lot of you know human things like taste and touch um, it's just not the same. Um, but there are some situations where that's advantageous, you know, like if you're in certain environments that are more toxic to organic flesh, you might want to have a synthetic body, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, uh, so in this world, the super rich are like ridiculously rich. They're called Mets. And like we were saying at a different point in a, in a different podcast, that that was because of Methuselah from the right. Bible. So... <laughs> Yeah, and I, I don't I, I know that we talked about it a long time ago, but we never really made a point to clarify that. But yeah, basically it's to say that that's the super filthy rich are just like obscenely privileged. And they have like all these different I mean they have like sky palaces and like just a cornucopia of clone bodies where like anything and then they also get backed up too. So not only you know, most normal people that only have one stack if theirs gets damaged or screwed. But these super rich people also have backups to their stacks. And then you also have other little interesting things, like you can double stack, which is illegal. They never really make it clear why. But That is interesting. Why would it be illegal? I mean, I'm guessing because of accounting reasons like it, it has to be just money right why why would, would having say, yeah, your... social security reasons tax yeah. reasons <laughs> that would be the only thing that i could understand or i mean so i guess have... resources like <laughs> i don't know yeah but that was an interesting part of it but yeah there's this whole thing and then so we discover in season one that kovacs is brought back out of retirement he's uh the last envoy envoy is what yeah. they keep referring to yeah yeah, envoys were essentially like these elites, radicals. Uh, well, Kovacs first started, oh man, like I said, there's so much plot. <laughs> there is. There's so much to unpack with these characters. Yeah, so yeah, Kovacs was a, was a Praetorian. He was a he was a the elite law officer, but then he was put into go undercover into the into the envoys, into Quelcrest's group to uh, uh, infiltrate her and then bring her down, but then she in the first season we don't know what it is but she essentially makes him fall in love and then uh or gets him to fall in love or they fall in love with with each other and then she teaches him the ways of being an envoy and 
you know, that's essentially a superpower. It's like you're a super, you you can interpret things and then you're also able to like use your mind to manipulate code, so to speak. Yeah. You basically become like a Jedi. Like there's there, they become stronger mentally. So they're less susceptible to torture and to virtual environments. Um, but then they're also yeah. like stronger physically, like, Yes, he's able to do all kinds of things. T- they can take on like five people at a time and practically dodge bullets. I mean, that, it's it's like becoming the one in Ma- the Matrix, <laughs> except that there's a whole bunch of them. And the, you know, a bit of a plot twist. It turns out that Quellchrist was also the creator of the stacks, but right. she's she's come to realize that giving humans immortality was wrong, and so now she's on a like a crusade to try to bring back mortality to destroy the the legacy of the stacks but as we come to find out in this season it's like she's the creator of stacks but it's because they landed on harlan's world and and the alien beings there kind of showed her the way not like showed her the way but she got the idea from their technology on how to do it essentially yes because the that planet is where the mineral comes from to make the stacks right it's like i guess it's the only place it's found and then um, the super rich are super rich because of Harlan's world, right? Because they this is where they found that min- mineral, and this is when they started making stacks, and like that's how they became super rich, right? A lot of them, yes. Ray, um, which we come to find out, is the overarching villain of season one. Uh, spoilers, by the way, everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, there's going to be spoilers for both seasons. Yeah, Kovacs' sister turns out to be the big bad boss of, like, season one and technically partially season two because uh, her legacy kind of still remains. Yeah. And um, she became a, like a crime boss. Like she moved up the ranks of the Yakuza. But that's all because and, of the, of K- Kateshi's Kovacs's uh, supervisor in the Praetorian that like essentially just sold her to the Yakuza or to some, some bad guys when Takeshi didn't do what he wanted. Um, no, he was supposed to like, well, the whatever his name was, I can't remember it now. It's, um, but yeah, his like his oh uh, Colonel Ivan Carrera. That's what he was called. Carrera. Um, yeah, I think he had a different name in the first season, but it's the same character. Um, he uh, he promised that he would take care of her, of his sister, if he joined the guard, the the Praetorian guard. Mm. Uh, and that was why he decided to do it because he had Takeshi. I think another plot point is that, you know, when they were both still like teenagers, like preteens, uh, they had an abusive father. So Takeshi killed his father mm-hmm. after I think his father killed his mother, uh, I believe is what happened. So Takeshi killed them and they both went on the run. And when the colonel found him, he saw the, the potential of him, you know, to be a killer. Because, you know, he was basically a, with the logic that like once you've killed your father, like there's really no stopping you being like the ultimate killer. Like you're not afraid of anything at this point. Um, so he wanted to recruit him, teach him the ways of the Praetorian guard so he can be part of their elite team. Uh, and he didn't want to do it because he felt the responsibility to take care of Ray. So he says, well, we'll take care of Ray. Don't worry. That way you can come with us. And he trusted him. And that's what we kind of find out between season one and two is that he sold her off to the Yakuza actually. Yeah. And, so that that didn't work out very well. Um, 
she became like insanely filthy rich to the point where she was essentially like a human trafficker for the Mets that like to indulge in um, less than savory uh, fetishes that involve mm-hmm. murder. Um, and in this future, since, you know, people have stacks that can be, you know, replaced and all that, or bodies that can be replaced because of the stacks, uh, you know, there's, I guess, less of a taboo on murder. But as you come to find out in the plot is that there's actually like also a religious movement that's anti-stack, you know, that, um, uh, what was her name? Ortega, Ortega's like mother or grandmother were those that were part of that movement that they're like, no, once you die, you should be dead. You know, your soul should rest in heaven or whatever. Right. And, um, so there was this religious movement that was basically getting permission to essentially not have stacks or to have their stacks destroyed. Um, and you come to find out that there was legislation that was being passed was secretly being passed because, um, the people that like to do these uh, murders for fun didn't realize that they were murdering these people for real, or maybe they did realize it. And that's why the, the super rich guy from season one, uh, whatever his name was, I can't remember off the top of my head. I should have made a list of these people because they put, <laughs> um, but yeah, he came to realize, Oh no, I've been killing people for real. So he blew his own brains out. Bancroft. Bancroft. Yes. Thank you. Uh, so he blew his own brains out, and then when his stack was uh, re-uploaded, he was like, whoa, who killed me? And right from the beginning, you're giving all the clues. So it's like, well, the only one who could have done it is yourself. And then he was like, yeah, but why would I? Right. And so we find out that that's why, because he felt the guilt of killing people for real, so he wanted to erase that memory um, and... They make the conclusion that like, well, just because you can't remember what you did doesn't mean you're not guilty. Um, so they take him away. And that's kind of season one in a nutshell. But there's still <laughs> so much that we're not covering. Like the Po Hotel, like his uh, friend that he makes that has the daughter that's only lives now as a stack, but she's damaged. So Poe spends a lot of time like rehabilitating her. Mm-hmm. And then we see a lot of her in season two. Um, overall, like it's, it's a really rich, detailed show. This is like a very stark contrast to something like what we're currently watching during the regular Geeks Watch, uh, mm-hmm. The Vagrant Queen. Yeah. <laughs> where it looks like it's trying to have a lot of detail. You just couldn't care less <laughs> because the characters are not interesting and like the overall tone is just kind of slapsticky. Right but also like tries to do these serious moments that just land flat. Um, this one was, it had its humor, like it had its funny moments for sure. Um, like in most cases where like people underestimate uh, Kovacs and then he just ends up like laying them all down with minimal effort. And so that's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, there are definitely like scenes in this one that are, I don't know. Like, so the second season ends up being a lot about Qualcress and a lot as, as much as I was interested in that character in the first season, I wasn't anticipating that for the second season, I guess. Like, I I think I remember telling you that this storyline 
felt more like the third season. Like this is a third season story. And I understand why they probably did it for the second season because of the way that this season ends so that your third season's all about this other thing. Um, well, essentially it's all about uh, Takeshi Kovach coming back from the dead. Like he literally dies at the end of this one, but Poe kind of saved him or at least saved his stack somehow. He made a backup of it. Yeah. Yeah. It made a backup of his stack. So now you just have to put that stack, that information into a stack somewhere and then that stack into a body. Yep. Yep. And uh, so season three, if they make a season three is going to be like 99.9% a new actor playing Takeshi Kovacs. It would have to be right. Because of the nature. Yeah. Because that was like a one-off body that they made just for him. That was, um, it was actually more augmented than your standard uh, synthetic because mm-hmm. it was a synthetic body. And they made a point to say that oh, right away. You. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it also had like this really interesting like uh, implants where he could now like summon his guns like using the force. <laughs> or like if you've seen the Half-Life Alex, like the gravity gloves right. that they pulled objects to you, it basically worked like that before his guns. Yeah. Which is kind of a cool idea. It's I like a, that. You it's know? a cool idea, but I don't know the way whenever they used it in the show I just like I was just like this looks terrible it just <laughs> it did not read well for me I guess no they definitely I feel like they went down a little bit like I said we're trying to save money on production like in season one um, one of the locations they go to was like this underground fighting pit uh-huh and you see like a bunch of different areas within this pit Um the the things that they fight against are basically th- synthetic, uh, like mutant mutants kind of. Like yeah. I believe you have a dude that has like a chainsaw in his stomach or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some really weird stuff there. Um, this one was a lot more subdued in that sense. Like it didn't go as far. Like you didn't have the floating city in the sky, um, or the pleasure palace, you know, kind of area. Everything felt a lot smaller in this one. Even in this season, they they go to another arena. It's kind of like the trial by combat kind of thing going on. Where, it was uh, like a room. Yeah, it was just a room. I mean, yeah. they brought back. This is where they brought back the other actors from the other from season one that you were talking about. Like, because they bring back they bring back the actress who played Raylene to because they essentially they give. Uh, people synthetic bodies to that look that are 3d printed to look like the people from his memories so that it's harder for him to fight them kind of thing and yeah. they're supposed to they're trying to kill him although i, I noticed something kind of interesting is that when he's fighting ortega um towards the end of season one she was completely human she didn't have any like upgrades or whatever and then she had the uh, fake arm well, yeah, that 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 happens at the end oh. is when uh, she gets hurt really badly, and um, at that time, because he was working for like one of the richest people on the planet, he basically uh, Kovacs had like a credit like a credit card with no limit, basically. Right. So he says, "I want you to give her like a, a you know the best arm you can," and she was kind of mad about it because she was one of the people that was like anti, you know, Upgrades implants and, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, she wanted to to remain natural. Uh, but then she saw the benefit because that basically was like a power arm. Like she could punch through walls and shit with it. <laughs> um, but I thought that was interesting that when they spun up the the copy of Ortega to fight him, she still had that like bionic arm. 
But yeah. I was like, well, that's an interesting detail to give her. Like, why didn't it just give all of the characters bionic upgrades, not just her, because of that specific thing that happened to her in season one? Yeah, you're right. Like, I, I'm guessing. Either not, she either shouldn't have had it, she should have just had a normal synthetic body, or everybody should have had, like, synthetic everything or, uh, <laughs> like, upgraded everything. I mean, I'm guessing it's just it's the last memory he had of of said person. So whatever they had that that whatever that memory was, that's what they he has. Just remembers that uh, killer arm. <laughs> yeah, and then that's when we bring back Elliot. Also, his one friend, uh, yeah. who, his daughter was is stuck inside the program, and then is he Elliot? And then Rayling or Rayling Ortega, Elliot, and then the last one is supposed to be. Qualcrest, but then the will the real Qualcrest shows up, and uh, everybody's real confused. <laughs> yeah, um, well, yeah, because uh, at, at this point in this in the show or in the in the timeline, there's like another uprising that's starting to form, which we later find out is actually a false flag operation by the administrator of the planet. That's true. She's actually playing both sides. But she she's using enemy. that to create a crisis that would give her uh, power. power. She's basically doing an Emperor Palpatine move. Yeah, she did. <laughs> yeah, so, once they gave her like unlimited power, she then got rid of like her own Senate or whatever, her cabinet. Yeah, her cabinet it made the Praetorians um, go away. Which had a really fun line. She was like, <laughs> when she tells all, everyone else that they're confined to their homes, like under house arrest, and she was like, who gave you the authority and the, the sergeant or the the colonel's like you did dumbass or something yeah <laughs> yeah that was uh that's the the guy carrera who used to be jaeger jaeger that's the name i couldn't think of yes yeah, yeah. carrera was jaeger yeah because he's not allowed to have a legacy because he's he works for the state so to speak that's right. Now, I got to say, though, one of my favorite things about this season, though, was them bringing back a earlier copy of Kovacs. Right. To then go fight himself or go after himself. Yeah. So this was this was Kovacs prior to having been uh, brainwashed or prior to having been like falling in love and being exposed to Qualcress's, uh, you know, ideology. Right. So he was still very much Praetorian Guard, uh, you know, uh, just man of the government type situation. And still, so good. That, that was kind of neat to, to see that dynamic play out between them two. Yeah, because Carrera, or at the time Jaeger, had kept a copy of uh, Takeshi's stack at the point before he went in to infiltrate the, the envoys. And use that to spin up another body, a copy of Takeshi's original body, or is that supposed to be his actual body? I think that was a copy of his, um, no, it's a copy because it has those same upgrades. Okay. Uh, but it resembles his original body. So, which we had an interesting conversation because that body is the, is not his original body, right? That's not Takeshi's original body. His original body is the Ryu body. No, I think the Ryu body was the one he was in at that time, is what they were trying to say. Either that, or maybe they lost the casting of that guy, and they had to get someone else. Uh, but I believe, that the, my understanding is that the one that we see here in Season 2, 
Because we also see that one a few times in season one, especially when he finds out that they're using that body in that fighting pit. Yeah, in that's that fighting pit. But I thought yeah, that that's, was, that was his original body. Yeah, that's my understanding is that that was his original. Yeah, that one was. but Because that's the Byron Man one. That's the Ryu one. No, that wasn't Ryu. The Ryu one, you only see it at the beginning in the hotel scene. Man, I need to go watch that first episode again. Just, <laughs> just to remember. Because uh, the way it's credited is that he is that Byron Man Ryu is credited as OG uh, Kovach. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, that, uh, but I I don't think that that was intended though. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, the, the idea of sending in Takeshi to find Takeshi to is is so interesting and why not like what you these are this is a kind of thing that you can do with this series because of the way it works like the the whole body stacks and, and stuff like that i mean it's it's definitely a cool turn uh if you were to do this in the past it would be like someone from the same unit of you know our detective like he was in the army or something like that and this guy was also learned to be a a killer at the same time kind of thing you know what i mean but yeah. now they can actually do the to actually bring in Takeshi. And I think one of the more interesting things about that is that the 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 few scenes that that particular Takeshi spins with the Quelcrest of this time, essentially the same thing happens. Like they they have he keeps going through the whole thing. He's like, "What is it that you could have possibly said to said to me that changed me, made me go to the other side?" Because I don't see it. I don't believe in it. And then what does he do? He goes over to the other side because she he essentially falls in love with her, just like he did the first time around. Yeah, I mean, at least he's consistent. <laughs> uh, I know that when I when they brought in the second body, I was like, oh well, obviously that means that they're gonna we're gonna get to see the death of Takeshi Kovach because we have a we have two Takeshis here. Were you expecting it to be the Anthony Mackie body to? be the one that that dies no i figured it was going to be the the uh praetorian version i'm not sure what we call him here the 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 backup copy of takeshi but um i figured it would have been him thinking like you know saying something like well obviously you know you learn things that i haven't yet and like your experience your you know what you've gone through needs to keep going or whatever and you know because that backup was, you know, long gone. Like that person didn't exist anymore. So I figured he would have sacrificed himself or he would have been the one to die heroically or like they would have switched stacks somewhere, you know, along the way so that Anthony Mackie Takeshi would end up back in his, you know, original body somehow. Right. But nope, nothing like that at all. Nope, no, that doesn't happen at all. And so at this point, this, kind of brings up a thing that you and I often have discussions about when we're talking about sci-fi. Usually it's, it's about digital people, but you know, at this point they're two different people. They have the same name and they have the same stack up to a point, but after a point now they're creating their own memories. So is Kovach prime, the one that's played by when will you Yun Lee? Is he, the real Kovach 
is he a different thing? Is he a fake Kovach? Or is the only the Anthony Mackie version the real Kovach? Well, no, they're they're definitely both Kovacs, but they're definitely not the same person anymore, if that makes sense, because they still have the same personality quirks. Um, you know, they still think alike, but Anthony Mackie has uh, much more experience, more... Um, I mean, like, if you were to put them side by side to fight each other, which they do, you know, Anthony Mackie should be coming out on top every time because he's just simply had a lot more, uh, you know, different training, a lot more different ways of thinking. And he's he's, since, he's also yeah. at the Envoy training. Yeah, he's at the Envoy training, so he knows, he should know a few extra things that um, Prime, I guess, Kovacs wouldn't. So either way you look at it, if you put them side by side... I would think Anthony Mackie would win every time. So I don't think they're the same person. It would be kind of like the same thing as in season one, something kind of similar happened where they double stack uh, Kovacs in order to do a distraction. Like he makes the the uh, other characters think that he went off to this like pleasure cruise type situation when in reality he was infiltrating like the enemy base or something. Mm-hmm. And... Um, at the end of it, they kind of have to put them both together and say, well, one of us has to keep going and the other one can't. Uh, you know, because we were discussing that it's against the law to be double spun or whatever they call it, double stacked. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they come to a decision between the two of them, well, like which one's going to live and which one has to get put down. And I forget which one it was out of those two. Because like you said, they, they both would have the same memories up until the difference of like maybe a couple of days. Right. So there wouldn't be that big of a difference. Um, but yeah, here you're talking about like basically an entire generation's worth of information and experience that you would have. Um, so you, the, the prime Kovacs, what I think, I think would be the lesser Kovacs of the two, just because he would have missed out on everything he'd learned, everything he'd been through. Um, I mean, keep in mind that the Anthony Mackie Kovacs, you know, had to find out the hard way that his sister was the bad guy and that she betrayed uh, Falconer and and him and him and just was basically like became a huge monster. <laughs> um, well, we should also bring that up. Like, so at the at the end of the first season, towards the end of the first season, you find out that Raylan is the one that uh, betrayed the envoys because she was going to kill Falconer in a, in a thing, but it was then Takeshi who, who decided to fly in the ship instead. Right? No, they both were on the ship. Um, Oh, so he ended up being on the ship too. No, he was on the bridge and he watched it happen. Um, so you don't really see what happened in the ship until season two. Okay. Um, you only know that Ray Lynn survived, uh, she said, because, you know, they found her stack and that, you know, they couldn't find the, the stack of Falconer in the wreckage, that it was probably destroyed. But in reality, uh, Ray Lynn was already backed up because she was planning on betraying them and she was planning on getting blown up inside the, the ship. Um, but in season two, we find out that they both survived and Ray Lynn actually just locked her up in some kind of a cocoon or prison underneath, um, I think they call it Stronghold. Right. 
Um, because even though Kovach keeps saying, I know every part of this whole, the whole place, everything he didn't know about the basement, so to speak, where uh, the, yeah. where the, the, the room where they had the, the little, uh, cocoon thing whatever yeah the, pot. essentially the place where harlan and his other founders of harlan's world first met the alien beings and then summarily just executed them yeah which i was a little confused by at first too because i thought there were no living um what are they called elders yeah I thought there were no more living members of that race or species or whatever, but it turns out that they were living like these embryos or something were like developing in like these pods. Uh huh. And they're like, well, we can't have any living creatures here if we're claiming the planet. So let's just take care of the problem ourselves. And, you know, um, what's his name? The dude that plays uh, Dum Dum Dugan. Neil McDonough. Yes, Neil McDonough. He just takes it upon himself to just start shooting those things, which I guess upsets the the spirit of the elders. Like there's a whole lot of here that doesn't quite make sense. Essentially it was, it seemed to me it was like that, that was the nursery and this was the, the, the spirit of the person that or alien that was supposed to be there to take care of the nursery, which then hung out inside the tree after the body was killed, just kind of like it's stack was stuck in the tree, so to speak. And then that transferred itself into Quelcress to try and uh, get revenge. Yeah. She went after all the founders. Kind of an and, avatar uh, thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And uh, so she was, and not only that, but she also upgraded Falconer with the ability to control the uh, elder technology, which I didn't understand that right away, but I guess there were like these satellites that the elders built that orbited the planet. They had their backups on. Um. I guess it's, but like they also can shoot down like beams of death. Oh, you're talking about those things. Oh yeah. 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 So essentially like it's could, like, it's some kind of like force field around the planet that was supposed to, that has arrays that can shoot out for anything that was coming in to try and attack them. But there was a way to turn it around so that it fired towards the, the planet instead. And it's apparently really, uh, great aim like really accurate you could pinpoint to a person if you wanted yeah which they do a couple times in here yeah um. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah so quelcress is kind of being possessed so to speak one thing i yeah. didn't quite understand was the first time that kovacs like interacts with Quelcress. It looks like Kovach comes out of the body uh, transport thing and he's just banging his head against the wall and, and, you know, trying to wake up kind of thing. But then later on in the episode, you find out that it was actually Quelcress was kicking his ass. But why is it that it looked like it was him by himself the first time we were watching? I like, I didn't understand that decision. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be showing us that, like, that's the way he remembered it. Like, he just remembered coming out of it like, super dazed and uh, just having trouble, like, reorienting himself. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, then you see that, oh, no, this is what really happened. And I guess Quelchrist also had the ability now 
to like destroy the stack and everything associated with it for each person that she killed. Yeah, essentially, like it followed it back, uh, like as the thing would. I guess it's connect. Everybody's stack is con- or these rich people's stacks are connected to uh, wirelessly to their backups, so that everything that happens to them is is immediately backed up. It would follow that stream back burn out that whole memory bank and then everything about them is gone like it's all their information is done yeah so they can't be spun up again and you know it was cool i guess that we did in fact see a little bit more about the elders and stuff i just i i wanted to actually see more about them like they like technically there was one elder in there and they talk a little bit more about you know, the alien technology, but it's so limited. Um, like one of the things that they talk about, or they don't even really talk about it that much, but there's a scene early on where one of the Yakuza bosses, that's also one of the founders, he's doing like a little bonsai tree of like the elders. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how it's so old. It's like, I, I forget how long he said it, it, he'd been growing it, but it's, it was like a ridiculously long time. And he's being really careful with it. And then when you have a Carrera, a.k.a. Jaeger, come down and interrogate him, he just, like, goes over and, like, breaks off one of its branches. And the Yakuza guy looks at him like it's, like, the worst thing he could have done. Yeah. He's just like, like, what did you do? And, um, yeah, I was like, okay, but why is that important? Like, I want to know more about <laughs> what makes the tree special. Some more stuff like what history do we know about the elders? Because they know that the technology of the elders is there, like those satellite things that shoot down the lasers, but they don't know how to access them or control them or or anything. Like these things are basically like a defensive grid on the planet. So like they say that uh, you know, in order to get in the planet, you have to go into like this one special area where there's like like an open spot but otherwise if you try to go through where the shield is you'll get shot or blown up by those satellites and would they even demonstrate like oh it's really fun to shoot fireworks up in the sky because when they hit the shield and you see like all these pretty lights and whatever (laughs) i'm like that doesn't sound like a practical way to (laughs) you know spend your time just like testing the aliens defense technology as for fun you know (laughs) So essentially you find out at the end that Harlan's daughter, who is now in charge of Harlan's world, as she's told everybody that he's gone off world to kind of just go on a vacations and stuff like that. She actually killed him a while ago and burned out his stack so that she, he couldn't come back. Um, when she then takes over because she's given ultimate power, is she... I forget when they expose her, did she get killed or does she get arrested in the end? I think she gets arrested. I think they, they go back for her and like put her away, I guess. But I don't know. There was a part of the, the ending of this one was a little weird because then you have the surviving Kovacs. Um, I guess Kovacs prime. Right. Uh, like he's going off now on like, trip of self-discovery or something because he's like, got to figure out where he, he he exists in the world now yeah and um and since there's not a, there's not a two co alive right now it's okay he's allowed to he's allowed to be around 
Yeah, so that guy's gonna go out and like live his best life, I guess, or live the life that he could have had if he hadn't gone wrapped up into the envoy and all of the other schemes that happened. He's just now getting his second chance, I guess. And and, and the Takeshi that we've been following is he sacrificed his own life to save Quelcress this time, uh, because. She was always the one talking about, oh well, she's she needs she needs to die for the for cause, and he's like, oh well, why do you always have to end up dying? But <laughs> this time it's him who, who sacrifices life. Yeah, because uh, the whole point is that you're you're basically being a martyr for this cause. So you know, here she is, like however many years after she's supposed to be dead, just reappears, and you know, kind of makes her potentially look a little bit like a hypocrite <laughs> and now she's kind of i mean what she's kind of in charge of harlan's world right uh that part wasn't really made that clear to me like i don't know what the power structure is now in harlan's world but i think the idea is that they are supposed to try to um because well at some point the elder spirit or memory goes into carrera Right. And and Carrera goes into this one area where they have like this huge depot of stacks and he just destroys them all, mm-hmm. I think. So I think it's trying to upset or I think maybe they did upset the whole stack, you know, economy. Mm-hmm. I want to say. At least on Harlan's world. Yeah, at least there. And especially if that's the only place where those can come from, then you know, they're gonna have repercussions somewhere down the line. Yeah, because um, wasn't this like, like they explained it in this like, because this was them leaving Earth originally. This was them leaving Earth, trying to get to another inhabitable planet, and the trip would just take too long. So they had to come up with these uh, stacks so that people could live longer to get to the to the next planet. But then they didn't need to do that anymore because now they could just live forever wherever. Well, yeah, it was partially um, what Calchrist describes in season one. Um, because she was an explorer, too. She said that she wanted to make, um, I don't know where we're supposed to end up now. But um, I think um, the whole idea was being that traveling like these vast distances was obviously going to take too long. But you can transfer your conscious That's from right. step, step yeah. also. Yeah. So that was the main logic behind it. And she says that I, I created these things so that we could see the stars and explore, but now they've been corrupted to just extend life and humans weren't meant to live centuries and things like that. So that was kind of um, how that ended up, I suppose. But um, So let yeah. me ask you this. What do you see for a third season? Obviously, Quilchrist is still alive. Poe is going to figure out that what he can do to get um, Takeshi out of the out of his programming. Dig get Dig three hundred one. She got a job. I forget what it was. I think I think she's doing stuff with uh, uh, Qualcrash, right? I believe so. Yeah. So I think kind of like how we saw a thirty year gap in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll probably see another jump in time and we'll get to where and just like season one and season two before it, there's going to be a whole bunch of backstory that we're just going to get dumped right into the middle of 
and we have to figure out. But I think it's going to be something along the lines of um, we're now experiencing the world, you know, several years or decades after, you know, stacks have stopped being a thing. Mm. Um, so some people that still, because I mean, stacks still exist. They're just, I think they're not going to be making any more now. Right. If I understood what happened in this season correctly. <laughs> so the few people that still have stacks are now probably going to be like super, like uh, deathly afraid of, you know, the true death or whatever you might want to call it in this one. The real, did they have a word for that? I think they called it the true like, death. True death or real death or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I think we're going to be seeing something like that now where it's going to be a lot more people freaking out about that, you know, because, you know, you've had maps that have been used to living for centuries and having these indulgent lifestyles and so on. Um, did they mention if stacks have a certain time frame that they're only useful for or like are those technically permanent? I think they're permanent. Okay. Because I was wondering if, like, those degrade over time, you have to get a new one eventually or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, no, I don't feel like anybody ever really says anything about that. Hmm. You would think it would degrade. I think that's what we're going to be seeing, though. We're going to be seeing a a world or, well, a civilization post-stacks that's, you know, trying to figure out how to come back from that. Uh, and so he might actually be one of the last people that gets a stack, maybe, because how else could you bring him back at this point? Right. Just memories. Um, what I was kind of hoping they would do is that they would kind of merge the two Takeshis. Yeah. Into like one stack. So what, So was I. And uh, that way, you know, the Takeshi Prime would have the all of the new memories and it would essentially still be like, kind of two people become one and this might become like a like a, a tri keshi <laughs> <laughs> uh so if, if coming back for a third season would i mean i assume you're still interested in it yeah absolutely like i think it still has things to offer um like i said i was still surprised by the writing because you know some of the things were laid out at the beginning just like season one that you don't understand or realize until the end they're like whoa like there was a lot bigger story going on, but there, I, I feel like this one also took some shortcuts. Like we mentioned Neil McDonough playing Harlan. Right. And he was in like two scenes in the whole thing. Yeah. His picture is seen more in the whole season than he is actually in the show. <laughs> yeah. That then he has lines. Yeah. So um, that, that was a big surprise. I don't know if they were using that as a, like a misdirect because they hire someone that has a name somewhat and a face that you would kind of recognize. And then you're, you're expecting him to be behind the whole thing. And then all of a sudden, Nope, he's dead. Like he's dead, dead. So it was just a a misdirect altogether. Yeah. That was kind of interesting. I mean, kind of both that they did that, you know, this, um, this, this is a good way to subvert expectations. Um, so yeah, moving forward, uh, whatever the next season is, I'd still want to check it out. Um, probably just binge it though. Like we, I think I enjoyed binging this a lot more than doing. If we have to wait like a week to watch each episode, I would have probably got really fed up with it. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. I'm, I am glad that I ended up kind of just binging this up this this season. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I definitely would be down for a third if they do another one. Um, 
Netflix tends to give everything three seasons, so I'm I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't do a third season. Yeah, hopefully, then uh, it's one that rounds it out though, because I mean, like the first season, it could have just ended there, and that would have been fine. Yeah, that really would have been it. This one, they definitely set it up for, like, well, he's still around. He's just not in physical form right, right now. Right. Um, or we could even follow the the progression of um, Takeshi Prime, the, the Will Yen Lee version, and just have a whole season of just him doing whatever. That would be interesting, like, too. Yeah, that could be a whole other thing because he would be unburdened by all of the Envoy stuff. It would just be him basically just having a life, you know, figuring out where his place in the world is now. So that would be kind of interesting also. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely give it another chance. All right. Uh, that is Alder Carbon Season 2 on Netflix. Uh, if you have an opinion on it, we'd like to hear from you. You find me on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. John, where can people find you online? I am on Twitter at Magic Bollocks. The rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network on our website, geekleetmedia.com. Uh, thanks for joining us on an overtime, and always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.